Well, take your Bible this morning and turn back to the book of Matthew. We're in our study in the book of Matthew, chapter number 12. Matthew and chapter number 12. Had a good number uh, show up this morning. I stepped upstairs, <laughs> pardon me, to the third floor to uh, check in on the planted and adult discipleship class. Just started this morning. In fact, if you're interested, uh, maybe you're a new believer, you don't, or maybe you just want to learn more about the basics of the Christian life. It was a good full class, but I, I think there's still room for you. We'll make room. We're going to do that class, uh, you know, by a cycle as well. And so you could catch it even the next time. But I'm just glad that many took part in that a class called uh, Planted, an adult discipleship class. Tonight, uh, just a reminder, we had the new members reception and we're going to enjoy a good time of fellowship out in the gym. And uh, many of you are, have already got chili ready. You're going to be warming it up today or cooking chili today. Uh, I love good chili, don't you? I mean, where's a bunch of good chili that'll be out there in the gym? I guarantee you, you're going to enjoy that good time of fellowship. And so be sure to, uh, to come, do your part in, um, in cooking chili. I did my part letting Angie cook the chili. So that, that was my part. All right. Okay, how about, we look at, uh, how about we look at the last three verses of chapter 11. Our text is chapter 12, but you're probably just right there. Maybe turn back a page. And uh, this is a good, a good starting place for us. Not going to do much review here as we get into this chapter. And so we'll just hit the ground running. Jesus, um, Jesus is offering rest. In fact, he's the only place of rest. And so he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At that time... Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn and his disciples were and hungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees, oh yeah, here they come. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto them, behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, have you not read? <laughs> you ever read your Bible? <laughs> That's what he's saying to you. Have you not read what David did when he was in hunger and they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or... Looking at verse five, or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath day, on the Sabbath days, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? I wonder what he's talking about there. Well, we'll get, we'll get to it. I try to explain things when you're sitting down. So and he gives them that example. Verse six but I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. <laughs> but if you have, had known what this meaneth, 
I will have mercy. Please pay close attention to what he says here. I will have mercy. The idea is compassion. I, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man, that's a reference to himself, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And behold, I'm sorry, uh, verse 9. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogues. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered, drawn up, shriveled, he had his hand withered and they asked him saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? By the way, they assumed that he could heal. That's kind of interesting. But here are the Pharisees assuming that he could heal this man. Now, if they'd really stop and think about this, they would be making a claim to his Messiahship. They were totally focused on something else. But he was able to heal. And he did so on the Sabbath day. But they're setting him up. You can sense it. You can hear it. Is it lawful? And he said unto them, verse 11, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep. Wherefore, Jesus said, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, stretch forth thine hand. Now, I mean, you've got to be mindful. His, his hand is, is, is withered. And he says, stretch forth thine hand and it was made whole. Yeah. Stretched it forth and it was restored whole like as the other well, not everybody was happy about that. Verse 14 tells us, Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him. It's almost like they clocked in for work on the Sabbath day. <laughs> How they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, notice what he did. He withdrew himself from thence and great multitudes followed him. And then I love this. And he healed them all. On the Sabbath day. It's <laughs> awesome. Verse 15. I'm sorry, where are we at? Yeah, that was so good. I wanted to read it again. All right. Verse 16. And he charged them that they should not make him known. Now, now what he's doing there, he's saying, listen, it's not my time to suffer on the cross yet. So he knew where things were. He, we'll explain it. Later. Okay, actually, Isaiah explains it. Look at verse 17. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, or Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet, saying, This is a quotation from Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. Verse 18 Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the who? Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. Please notice verse 20. It's not maybe going to be real clear initially, but as we get down to it, I think it will really uh, stand out with great significance. 
A bruised reed shall he not break. Uh, and smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment into victory. I like verse 21. And in his name shall all, shall the Gentiles trust. Okay, so here's the title this morning. <clears throat> the audacity of God's love. The audacity of God's love. His love dares to go beyond human boundaries. His love dares to go beyond man-made boundaries. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. I sure trust that God will help us to consider this important passage that has application to our day and time as well. <clears throat> the word audacity means boldness or daring. Uh, I'll read the rest of the definition, especially with confident or arrogant disregard for personal safety. So we, we might talk about a, an audacious expedition. I mean, that, that, was a, that was a daring expedition, you know, to the, to, uh, the South Pole. It was audacious. Um, disregard for personal safety or conventional thought. Confident or arrogant disregard for conventional thought or other restrictions. It can really have a positive or a negative connotation. Oftentimes we do hear it, don't we, in a negative connotation. The audacity of the man. You know what I'm talking about? What audacity? Have you said that or thought that or seen that or heard that? The audacity of the individual. What, who does he think he is or who does she think she is? The audacity. So it can be used certainly that way. In fact, the Pharisees were using it that way. The audacity of them. Look at the audacity of these disciples of this new rabbi that's on the scene to eat wheat on the Sabbath day. The audacity. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure you know already that in the sermon title, The Audacity of God's Love, I'm using it in a positive way because that's how it is about Jesus. And he's going against human convention. He's going against their restrictions to show clearly God's love. His love is daring to go beyond man-made boundaries. Um, most people that I read after pointed out what a contrast between the end of chapter 11. That's the reason I wanted you to read it. Come to me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. What a great contrast between that and the legalism of the Pharisees who did not give people rest, but took the law and made it a burden. I, I want to say up front here, uh, lest uh, we should be misunderstood or Jesus' approach to this should be misunderstood. The law was never meant to be a burden to man. It was to be a blessing and a help. But the Pharisees made it a burden. They made it a burden. 
And so what we need to do here is understand some of the context of it and, and, and explain some of it. Maybe that's not just immediately clear. Um, I think you get the general sense of it, but let, let's delve into it and really make sure that we're understanding the particulars of it and to see that, see why, because we're in a section of, uh, of Matthew where Jesus has presented who he is and he's, pre he's presented what he stands for and, and there's been great acceptance of Jesus, a great response to Jesus. In fact, I mean, there's a lot of people that are following Jesus, but now we're in a section where there's going to be a lot of resistance to Jesus, a lot of rejection of him. And we need to understand why did they reject him? In fact, why did they reject him to the point of resisting him? Why? In fact, what Matthew is doing, he's helping us understand why they crucified their Messiah. All right. So let's get into the minds of the Pharisees because I would submit to you that even though, I mean, actually Matthew is writing to, a, to Jew, Gentiles and Jews alike, but a lot of Jewish people, Jewish believers, and they would have known about the synagogues that were down the street from their house. But Phariseeism, the Pharisaic spirit and that that, uh, that looking down your nose at others is not relegated to the time of Jesus and that those disciples, and it's not relegated to the streets of Judea and the streets of Jerusalem. In fact, you can find some Pharisees right here. Sometimes it's us. And so we need to understand what is going on here. So first of all, the, uh, the Pharisees could not believe the audacity of the disciples to take the corn there that was in the field and to make, make a small meal out of it. Now, here, here's the deal about this, all right? According to Deuteronomy chapter number 23, they could walk through the fields and on a normal day and they could take some of the heads of grain. Now, when I, I grew up in Kentucky, you know that, and so when I saw corn and fields of corn, I'm thinking big old stalks and big old ears of corn, just like, you know, you'd see driving down the road there and, and see for miles, but that's not really what it is, more like wheat or barley. And, and so he would, they would come and grab the, the heads of wheat and they'd separate in their hand, you know, the chaff from the wheat. Normally this would take place as they would cut down the wheat, they'd gather it up into stalk, into, into sheaves and, and then they'd take it to a, a high point in the city and, and run a, a, a stone over it or somehow to separate the wheat from the chaff and then they'd lift it up with a winnowing fork and the wind would blow the chaff away and the grain would fall to the ground and that my friend was probably, I've never done it, but it sounds like a whole lot of work. So the Pharisees said, your disciples do that which is not lawful on the, on the Sabbath day. Listen, the problem is not that they were gathering wheat and doing that because if it had been Monday or Sunday or some other day, they wouldn't have said a thing about it. But the fact that it was a Sabbath day, they said this, your disciples are working on the Sabbath day. I mean, it'd be like, it'd be like us taking a handful of peanuts and breaking open the hole and eating the peanut and somebody saying, man, you're working on the Lord's day. I mean, that's basically the gist of it. Just a handful. Well, they, they, here's what they were doing. They took what God said without really understanding it. In fact, not understanding what it meant. They read it, but they didn't understand it and what they did to protect it. Now, listen, I, I, wanna, I don't want to be too rough on the Pharisees because I, I think in many ways what they were trying to do was protect the law and protect who they were and, and, and do that. But here's what they did. They added to that their oral tradition in the Mishnah, the Mishnah, the oral tradition of the, of the Pharisees. They had 39 more rules about the Sabbath day. 
and how not to break it, just to make sure we didn't break it. They added to God's word, the oral tradition. And they said, look at your disciples. They're cutting, they're, they're sifting, they're winnowing. They didn't put it into sheaves. They, they didn't carry it up and they weren't throwing it up in the air to get the window. No, I mean, they just, they took a bite. And here came the long finger of the Pharisees and said, the audacity. Well, they had their man-made rules. They had their man-made boundaries. By the way, um, I mean, we could spend some time and we have in previous messages about the Sabbath day and observing the Sabbath day and the holy day, a day of rest, a day, by the way, that was designed by God to help them honor the Lord, but they made it more about their regulations. Now, believers, as you come into the New Testament, Colossians uh, 2, Romans 14, the book of Acts, 1 Corinthians 16, you're going to see that the believers gathered like we are today on a Sunday. Now, I will say this. I believe, believers, that we need to be uh, careful about how we observe the Lord's day and, and to respect God on His day. And so here they were saying, your disciples. Well, Jesus said, let's clear this up right now. In fact, let's use God's word since you're about the law. Have you read? You're an expert of the law. I mean, there's a little bit of sarcasm in here. Come on, you got to enjoy this along the way. Um, have you not read? Sure they'd read. I'm sure right then, I mean, it was, it, they, they were thinking, oh, really? You're going to say we haven't read. We've read? What are you talking about? Did you read the part in, in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 21 where Daniel, or David rather, was hungry and the men that were with him and he went to, to the priest and he gave him the showbread that was made out of wheat? The showbread that was there and it was, it, it was uh, on the table of showbread and it was put out every morning to give thanks to God for their, the way that God brought them through the wilderness and provided for them. And when they were hungry, God allowed them to eat of the showbread, God, Jesus said. And that was David. The implication is this, a greater than David is here. A greater than David here is here. And if David and his men were able to eat bread out of the tabernacle, should not my disciples be able to eat wheat out of the field? Here's what they were doing. They were, at, they were elevating their ideas. They were elevating their man-made restrictions to the place even of God's word. In fact, here, it wasn't just this. It wasn't just that they were, in their eyes, holier than all the people around them. In many ways, they were holier than God trying to be. And, and Jesus says, listen, David did this without any kind of rebuke. And so it validated that. So Jesus' point is basically this. Listen, don't lose sight of the intent of the law. It's there to be a blessing, not to be a burden. And listen, you ought to put compassion and love above ritualism. Now, listen, don't, don't, please don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying. He is not saying at all that you can just treat God's word any old way that you want to. We're going to see that tonight. If you come back tonight in 1 Samuel chapter number 13, how that God gave, gave Saul a very clear command and he disregarded the commandment of God. Listen, you cannot disregard the commandment of God, the word of God, without consequence. But here we have the Lord of the Sabbath saying, that's okay that David did that and it's okay that my disciples eat this. 
So he's dealing with the heart of this. I mean, we can really get lost in the weeds here if we're not careful, but I think you're getting the idea of it. He's saying, listen, you need to understand that God loves people and you're not looking at people the right way. You're just not looking at them the right way. And, and you're down on my disciples because they're eating a, just a small little meal of grain on the Sabbath day. So have you not read? And then he goes on. Let's, and let's go on here at this point. He goes on about the priests and he says, have you not read also that the priests work on the Sabbath day? In fact, they offer up lambs as a sacrifice. In fact, some of the busiest people in Israel, in the temple on the day of the Sabbath would have been the priests. They were working and Jesus' point is this, here they are working and yet you, you don't say that they're defiled. And then I love how he said, a greater than the temple is here. It's a matter of authority and it's a right use of authority. I'm, I'm going to run that by you again. It's a matter of authority and it's a right use of authority. In verse number, uh, let me find my place here. Verse number eight, the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. In other words, he's saying this, listen, the Sabbath day was what we designed and I'll determine how it's going to be used. In other words, this is a reference to his deity, the fact that he's God and he's in charge and he ought to have a say in how that the Sabbath day is observed. And he wants it to be used for the right purpose. Compassion, mercy, love. But they had all these man-made boundaries that were inhibiting or stifling the expression of God's love to mankind. And Jesus is just breaking through their barriers, breaking through their boundaries. Okay, now next, what we have is, a, is an example of that and, and a, a show of that. As a man with a withered hand is there in their synagogue, Okay, here's, here's what the disciples, I'm sorry, the Pharisees were doing. They set these boundaries on their love and they, listen, this is very important here before we move on, okay? Before we move on, I want you to get this. They only love people who fit their mold. They only love people who fit in their box. And if you were not in their box, you were not a recipient of their love. You were a recipient of their wrath. And, that, and, and their judgment. And that's why Jesus said, I'm, I'm going back. I got a little bit ahead of myself. I'm going back to where he says, I'd have mercy, not sacrifice. Then you would not have condemned the guiltless. In other words, you're condemning the disciples and they're not guilty here. And here's why you're doing that. Because you only love people that, that are shaped this way or do things this way. But God loves all people. And you need to understand what mercy is. And then you would not have condemned the guiltless. All right. So if we're going to love God's way, listen, does that sound familiar? That's our theme this year, loving God's way. If we're going to love God's way, we can't just love people who fit our mold. We're all guilty of that. It's easy to love people who are just like you. It's hard to love people who are not like you. We're going to get to that. Now you have a real life example of it. Here is a man that has a withered hand. In other gospels, it points out even that it's his right hand. It's drawn up and he, he's not able to use it. It's probably even unsightly, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe you've seen some that, you know, their hand is drawn up and it's kind of hard to look at. You try not to stare. You ever do that? 
Well, you know, you and I who have good limbs and arms and fingers and toes and ability to move, we ought to thank God that we've got all those things. But, but there are people that have some struggles, some handicaps. But I want to tell you this, they're just as much as made in the image of God. We're under, living under the effects and, of, and the curse of sin and it's affected all of us in different ways. Every one of us have great need, don't you know? And, and so, but here's this man whose hand was all drawn up. And, and, and so he's there in their synagogue service on the Sabbath day. And they ask him, Jesus, um, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? I love how Jesus quite often does this. He answers their question with a question. I wish I thought that quick, don't you? That I could think quick enough to turn a question around on somebody that way. And he's asking them. So let me ask you a question. If you have a sheep that falls in a pit and it's one of your sheep. Don't you reach down in that pit and lift that little sheep, that little lamb up and put him on his way so that he's not harmed. Don't you care about that little sheep? And every one of them sitting there would have said, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a Sabbath day. I know, but maybe probably a Pharisee would look both ways before he did it because they're all about their image. And he would have lifted that sheep up and, and got him on his way. But he, the point is, is that you would have done that and you would not have said a thing about it. How sad here. I mean, Jesus is just really clearing off a spot right here and saying basically this, how sad that you'd care more about animals than you do about human beings. And an animal, yes, it's valuable and it has a place. And I don't think you should be cruel to animals at all. In fact, God's word has a lot to say about that. But it's really sad when a society has more protection for endangered species and in 1973, the same year as Roe v. Wade, in 1973, the Endangered Species Act came into play that protected parakeet falcons and protected sea turtles. And yet since 1973, 60, over 63 million babies, human beings, boys and girls have been aborted. That's hypocrisy in our land to care about baby sea turtles. And I'm not against baby sea turtles. I'm glad for him to live. But how sad that you could face a stiff fine and even jail time for hurting a little baby sea turtle and yet as a physician get paid to take the life of an innocent human being. Something's wrong in a society. I said something's wrong in a society that does not understand the value of human life. And that's essentially the spirit that Jesus is dealing with here. And he's saying, listen, you are an absolute hypocrite here because you're caring more about an animal, a barnyard animal, than you are about one of God's creation's person that's created in his own image. And at the very moment of conception, friend, that little baby is created, is in God's very, very image and ought to be protected. And so should the elderly and so should the handicapped. And so should those that society says, oh, let's just get rid of them. They're kind of a burden in this land. And what we've had over the last several decades is killing by it for convenience. Because this little one's going to be inconvenient to my career. This little one's going to be inconvenient to, to my plans, my ideas, my thoughts, my aspirations. Hey, listen, let me tell you something, friend. God cares about you, and he cares about that little one as well. Amen. It's a lot of hypocrisy in our land. 
There's a lot of hypocrisy in their lane and Jesus was calling them out on it that if you had a lamb, you would, you would rescue them. If you had a sheep, you would help them. And, and so they're saying the audacity of a man that would heal on the Sabbath day. And Jesus is saying, listen, yes, I'll be all audacious. Yes, I'll be bold. Yes, I'll be daring because I'm not going against my father's laws. I'm going against your preconceived ideas. I'm going against your notions. I'm going against your restrictions. I'm going against your regulations because it is your man-made regulations that are inhibiting or keeping back the love of God that's supposed to flow to every man. Now you say, well, couldn't Jesus have just waited till tomorrow and just healed this man when it wouldn't have been a real problem? Well, he healed plenty of people on Sundays, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and all the other weeks, weekdays, but he wasn't going to wait another day. I realized this man's life was not in danger. And that's what they were playing on because they would allow somebody to do something to help somebody that was in danger. If their life was in danger, this man's life was not in danger. And Jesus is saying, listen, you're absolutely hypocritical about this because you ought to care about life regardless of what day of the week it is. Hmm. The audacity. Well, then verse 14, they held a council to see how they might destroy him. I mean, I, 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 I'm not sure what language that was, but I'm just saying <laughs> this makes no sense that here he is. He's healed a fellow Jew that was attending their synagogue help this man who now could help with their meals or help with their Passover observance or help with different things. I mean, he's helped their society. And they're saying, let's get rid of him. You know why? Because he was going against their ideas. He was a threat to their position. Watch this now, hang on. He was a threat. Who he was and what he represented by way of his interpretation and his stand for the truth was a threat to their control over the people. And that same trend is happening today. That both those that would present themselves as very, very uh, conservative uh, in, in religion and yet very hypocritical. And those also that are very liberal in their mindsets are threatened when real Christians show up on the scene. And it's amazing to me, I'll just go ahead and say it here this morning. It's amazing to me that those who wave the banner of tolerance are absolutely intolerant when somebody goes against their position. Isn't that true? And so much so that, a, play, that, that a, a company like YouTube will label John MacArthur's speech about gender and homosexuality here just recently, human sexuality and what God says, what God's word, they labeled it as hate speech. Would not post it. You know what that is? It's a society that says, listen, we'll be tolerant as long as you're saying what we want you to say. You start saying something different than that, and they don't care if it comes from God, then now you've crossed a line and we want to get rid of you. That's what's happening. It's astounding. Yep. And yet you can have little books in libraries for little kids to pick up, just like a mom just shared with us about a little girl who wanted to wear ties and her older sister was saying, no, that's for boys. And she says, no, I want to wear it. And, and I want to get my hair cut short like a boy. I mean, this isn't a kid's book. And the, and the mantra throughout the book was this, it's not wrong, it's just different. And so it's no longer Jackie, it's Jack. And if you speak against that, I mean, what I just said right here, 
we were in California, hate speech. But you watch what happens on the West and what happens on the East and it's coming here as well. Why is that? It's, just, it's the same spirit that was here. It's a rejection of God's truth in favor of man's ideas. Well, how, how did Jesus handle this? I, and I hope I haven't come across mean-spirited here today, but I, I do. Uh, Jesus wasn't silent. But he also knew when to deal with these things and when also he would deal with it privately. I, I get that. I mean, listen, he would bring justice, but it, what the last verses that we covered when we read this quotation of Isaiah chapter 42, 42 uh, it was a quotation there because he would bring justice, but not in the way that they thought. Because they thought when Messiah comes, he's going to come in by force and overthrow the powers that be. But Jesus did not get on that zealot bandwagon. He did not get on those political forces that try to shape society by intimidation, like Antifa, like Black Lives Matter, like white supremacist groups. Jesus wouldn't go along with any of those. It talks about a bruised reed. Will he not, would he not, uh, uh, what does it say? A bruised reed in verse number 20, uh, break. Would he not, shall he not break? And, and, and he, uh, smoking flax. You, you know what he's saying right there? He's saying this. Reeds were so plentiful in their day and time. You know, like a reed like you see in a marsh or at a riverside. These little shoots that were sticking up, you know, they'd use them for measuring rods or they'd use them for flutes and they were so plentiful. But here's the, here's the point. Um, when a reed was bruised or broken, they were so plentiful and insignificant and inexpensive. If it was broken, you just toss it aside and get rid of it and get you another one. But Jesus says, no, when a person's broken, that's not when I'm going to toss them aside. I'm going to go to the trouble of helping them. A bruised reed shall he not break. A smoking flax. What's smoking flax? Well, the smoking flax was this. It, it was a candle that was uh, putting off more smoke than light. It was a nuisance. You ever had one of those? You light the candle and it just fills the room with smoke, not so much with light. It's irritating. And they were so plentiful in their day and time, these flax that they would use for lighting up a house. If it wasn't working right, if it was unused for, unproductive, or, or, or uh, had these kind of issues, you just toss it aside and get another one. But when Messiah comes, even people who seem to be a nuisance, even people who don't work right, by the way, all of us, are in that situation because none of us work right. We're all fallen. We've all sinned. Isn't that right, church? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have been broken by sin. We've all made wrong decisions that have hurt our lives and hurt the lives of others. And sin continues to have consequences. And, and there are broken homes and broken relationships and broken lives and broken testimonies. And, and there is irritating situations that arise because of the way that people handle life and it's like we're smoking flax or we're broken reeds and yet thank God that he loves us just the way we are 
And the reason why Jesus went through all of their restrictions is because their man-made boundaries were keeping or stifling the love of God from flowing to people who desperately needed to know God's love. And I'm so glad this morning that God doesn't love people that are just after his mold. <laughs> I'm glad God doesn't just love people who are just like him. Hang on. I don't know if anybody caught that or not. I'm glad he doesn't just love people who are just like him because if he didn't love people who were just like him, he wouldn't love the lot of us because we're not like him, friend. He's holy. He's other than what we are. And yet God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Friend, listen, he loved you. He died for you. He'll save you. Doesn't matter if, you, if you're homeless. It doesn't matter if you're in a big old mansion. It doesn't matter what your past is or what your skin color is. Here's what God does. I love it. I love it. Even in a society that's trying to do all kinds of man-made things to, to either encourage or even inhibit these things based on color, based on creed, based on this, based on that. God just breaks through all of that and says, I love you. And I'm here to help you and I'll prove you along and, and what society in a million years cannot figure out and fix, God in an instant with a new birth can give somebody a whole new outlook on life. Yeah, God dares to love you beyond man's boundaries. I'm sure glad about that. Back in 2019 or 2020, whatever, whatever it was, you know, as, as uh, man, all things were going chaotic and crazy. Everything from politics involved in vaccinations and mass mandates and all the other things and, and all that. But in, in the midst of all that, also we had all that was going on with racial tension in our country. Seattle and Portland on fire and Oklahoma City also under fire. I mean, just all kinds of crazy things going on inappropriate things going on out in the East and in the West, both by uh, whites and blacks alike and just tension here and, and all, all that chaos. And I know I've, I've probably shared this in this setting before, but it's worth saying again, I was preaching camp at Triple S Youth Ranch in, in, in Arkansas, in, uh, in, somewhere in Arkansas. I mean, out in the boondocks, friend. Listen, it's out there. And here was a church from Memphis that was predominantly black. And, and here was a bunch of churches that were predominantly white. By the way, there's no real color of churches. Amen. This is Southwest Baptist Church. We're not a white church, black church, Hispanic church, Indian church. We just, we're the, we're the church that Jesus died for. And there's only one race and that's the human race. And all of us bleed red, just like God made us. And we're all made in the image of God. Some have a darker skin tone than another skin tone. Listen, I'm telling you, God loves you just the same, friend. And there's a young man up, up in the seventh and eighth grade that's preaching. I mean, just flinging it down today, I would imagine, Brother Step Barber. And he's black and he's married to a, a white young lady that's a beautiful young lady. And God's brought them together. I'm, I'm just simply saying what man is trying to concoct and figure out, God can just solve. And there we were in Arkansas having this camp and there was these rednecks. I mean, come on, it's Arkansas. There was these rednecks with mullets. 
Man, am I stereotyping or what? I mean, my dad's from Arkansas, so I got a little bit of liberty here to say what I'm saying. But here are these rednecks from Arkansas and, and these black young men and black young ladies from, from Memphis or West Memphis, whichever one it was, and they're getting along all week, sitting together at tables, eating meals together, saying amen, and I'd have rednecks coming up to me and saying, Preacher, that was a good message, man. Had a big old buck on his shirt. And, and then I had black young men coming up to me and preaching, Preacher, thanks for preaching it like that. And, and all in one, yeah, cultural differences, absolutely. That's why God is so creative and life is not boring. And there we were, they were playing three-on-three -three basketball. It was me and my two boys, Trevor and Trenton, and, and they're really good at basketball, and I'm not. All they needed was just a third man to be on the team, and, and they were playing against, watch this, this is so beautiful. I, I just want to say what God can do right here when he breaks through our barriers. And here was two redneck young men playing with a, a black young man that was really crafty and, and, and could really, really play basketball. And, and so here they were, I, I think even those guys were playing in boots, but they were trying to hang with Trenton. And Trenton's like a little spider. I mean, he's all over the place. And, and the crowd was watching, and they said, hey, Guard that little guy. He said, I'm trying to. <laughs> said he's like a little water spider just moving all over the place. And it's awesome. Well, all, my point is this. God just breaks through our barriers. He breaks through our boundaries. We say, well, I'm only going to love you if you're of this color. I'm only going to love you if you're from this background. I'm only going to love you if you're like this. God says, I'm going to love you and push all that aside. And if we as a church are going to love God's way, that's exactly how we need to love. We don't say to anybody, we don't say to anybody, regardless of, of how they're dressed, they come in here, maybe, maybe somebody doesn't, doesn't have the best. Hey, you know what? That doesn't really matter. You're here. That's what matters. We don't base your wealth or your, your value based on how you're dressed. No, listen, friend, you're a, you're a soul that Jesus died for and he cared about you. And, and I believe that God is against a church that says, listen, you can't come in here looking like that. I remember being up in the Northeast and we went to a restaurant and, and it was one of those fancy restaurants and we weren't dressed up and they said, I'm sorry, in their Boston accent, you can't come in here looking like that. I can't do it anyways, but you know the accent, you can't come in here dressed like that and we had to go somewhere else. Well, we've been kicked out of better places than that, don't you know? <laughs> no, not really. Man, they're discriminating against people from Kentucky, don't you know? Hey, I'm glad we don't have anybody at the doors here that says, you can't come in here like that. You can't come in here like that. You can't come in here with that background. You can't come in here with that. Now listen, that doesn't mean we condone sin. Jesus never once condoned sin. He's not saying, oh yeah, just live any way you want to. It doesn't matter what the Word of God says. Absolutely not. Can you imagine Jesus saying anything remotely close to that? He doesn't say that. In fact, he's against fornication. He's against adultery. He's against homosexuality. He's against pornography. He's against drinking. He's against carousing. He's against partying. Here's why. Because he loves you, don't you know? He's not a legalist. He's one who truly loves. And God just breaks through all of our barriers. We're in a national crisis with immigrants. Illegal. It, it's not, it, by the way, it's not right for our country to bring people in under the cover of darkness. Illegally. And turn them loose in society without the proper channels. I, I, I'm just here to say that is not ethical. It's not right. But, but let me temper this just a minute. There are people here that are here legally and we ought to thank God for that. 
but let me temper it a little bit more. There are people right here in Oklahoma City that, that crossed the border and are here illegal. But I, I, I want to I say this. They are just as much in the image of God and we ought to treat them right. And love them with the gospel and help them get things right. And I don't know exactly what all that's going to look like, but we've seen some that have, that have applied for citizenship and said, you know, I did wrong. And anyways, there's just a lot. I mean, there's so much attached to this that I can't even begin to cover. But here's the main point I'm saying. We can't just say, I'm going to love you if you're in this box. There are people here from Afghanistan. You've seen some walking the streets of Oklahoma City, not sure even how to get around in this town. And, and you can tell where they're from and, and they're from the Middle East. Well, here's what we ought to do. We ought to love them just like God loves them, regardless of where they've come from, regardless of what their religious persuasion is. We ought to love them because Jesus died as much for them as he did for us. I'm so glad God gets through our boxes to say, I love you and share the gospel with them and the love of God with them without condoning sin. It's a careful balance, but we've got a great example in doing it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you love people the way that God loves people? Or do you have a certain box they have to fit in? And if they... Uh, if they've offended you, sorry, I had something on my head. I don't know what it was. It wasn't hair. I guarantee you that. <laughs> Just wasn't a great moment right there. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, if there's, there's somebody that, I mean, they've hurt you and you, and you say, I don't want anything to do with them. Is that God's love? I, there are consequences for forgiven sin. I get that. But we're to love God's way. That's why we need God's help. The audacity. Yes. Glory to his name. The audacity of God's love. Because he was so audacious that he loved you. So daring, so bold that he loved you. Loves the man standing on the corner. We've got to have the same love. That's audacious love. He loves the person that's made a big mess of things. That's audacious love. May God help us to be audacious, daring, caring like our Savior. Let's stand together here today. <clears throat> He loves the broken. He loves the rebel. He loves those that think they don't have any issues. The self-righteous. He will not allow them to stay in that state. He will not allow sinners to stay in that state either. He loves sinners. Thank God he still says, come unto me. All ye come. Dear Father, thank you today. Our Savior loved us all, shed his blood that we might be saved. I pray for any here today that do not know Jesus as Savior. I pray that they would trust you as their Savior even this very day, that they would have the matter settled about their eternity. Dear God, um, we tend to have boundaries just like the Pharisees did. 
We may not define them exactly like they did. We may not even clarify them or speak them like they did. But I believe that we certainly have them. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to love your way and not be stifling your love to others. I ask you to forgive me. I certainly want to apply this as well and can be partial or can selective in loving others. We all can. God, would you help us pass that? In Jesus' precious name, amen. Just as I am, that's what we're singing. What an appropriate song for the invitation. Just as I am.